Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand. Stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and your... And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the fiery, flaming darts of the evil one. But I want us to say together, if you were looking at the passage, Ephesians 6.10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Let's say it one more time. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. One more time. Finally, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of your word, the help of your word. We thank you for your grace. So Holy Spirit, I pray just calm us, focus our hearts and our minds. Remind us this morning of the hope that we have. Help us to celebrate it. So we consider what you did for us on the cross and how you won the victory. Lord, pray just be with those who are just struggling emotionally, spiritually. You just give them great grace today. And help us to trust in you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Another translation said, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. Why would Paul, at the end of Ephesians, why would he remind them and remind us to be strong in the Lord? Why do you have to say that to them? I think two reasons for us would be we we try to be strong in our own strength a lot of times. We, We try to accomplish things in our own strength or we fail to trust God in God's Strength, And I heard yesterday with all the, this is how the world is. They, 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 they try to be strong in its own strength, or we fail to trust God in God's strength. And so people will take to the streets and march, and people will say, like I heard yesterday, I'm tired of living in fear. The Bible says that we were created in the image of God. We were supposed to reflect back to God um, his image, and that's what we were supposed to do, but we didn't do that. Um, we were idolaters. We reflected back our own selves, and because of that, we have missed the mark. We have sinned. And the, the biggest, our sin is idolatry. We don't reflect God back the way we're supposed to. We don't trust in the Lord with all our strength. We trust in other things for strength. We trust in ourselves Because of that, there has been sin. And the question that we bring to a statement like this, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might, is the same thing that Sarah asked when she heard that Abraham, the same thing that Sarah asked when she asked that Abraham was going to, that she was going to have a child. And she laughed about it. And the angels heard, thanks Nick, and the angels heard about it, and they said to her, when she, they talked to her, is anything too hard for the Lord in Genesis 18? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Which is the question that we all 
really kind of want to know. Can I trust God? That's the question that we actually ask. That's why Paul says, be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. He has to remind us because we struggle with this at times. We struggle with being strong in our, in our own strength. and We struggle with being trusting in God's strength. And the question that we constantly bring to our lives is, is, is really anything too hard for the Lord? Because this situation is pretty tough. Can I really trust God? And Jesus said, nothing is impossible with God. And our response often to that, when we hear that, if we're really honest, is show me. Show me that. Because I'm not feeling that right now. I'm not seeing that right now. And the cross is a way of Jesus saying, okay, I will. I will show you that there's nothing too hard for the Lord. I will show you that I can be trusted. I will show you that there's nothing impossible with God. Because Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you want to see God's strength displayed in the greatest possible way, just look at the Passion Week. Just, that's what let's just look at what Jesus went through. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father, you've seen God. God said, there's nothing impossible with God. Is there anything too hard for God? We question that at times. We, we struggle with trusting God. And the cross says to us, I, I will show you. I will show you the truth of this. We love a champion, don't we? We love to see a champion. We love to watch highlights of a champion. I mean, you watched Loyola play last night. Um, I'm a big Loyola Chicago fan right now because they're winning. I love, we love to see uh, champions, particularly underdogs. We, we love to see them win. We love to watch a championship team that we loved. We like to see the highlights of it. We like to look back and, and, and see the struggle that it was to get there and how they ended up winning. Remember a couple years ago when the Cubs won? And for a hundred and some years, everybody in Chicago that was a Cub fan walked around in great distress forever and was discouraged. Or when the Bulls won in the 90s, you remember how you felt as a Chicago Bull fan? Or when the Sox won in 2005, how nobody cared about that <laughs> except the Morrises. Or remember in 1986 when the Bears won and how we love a champion, don't we? We love a champion. We love when our teams win. We love victories and we love championships and we love the joyful confidence that comes with victories, don't we? It has been proven, it was statistically proven that when the, when the Green Bay Packers lose on a Monday night football game, never to buy anything in Wisconsin that was made on that Tuesday. They have tested this because the whole state is depressed. They have a name for it. They're, just, they're devastated when their team loses. But when a team wins, when your champion wins, what it does for us, it gives us great confidence, doesn't it? We, we walk around, and in that, we walk in that with great confidence. And the Bible says in the New Testament, when it talks about the cross and when it talks about Jesus and when it talks about what he accomplished, the New Testament tone is not like our tone often. We often have this tone of Christianity that's a little sad, a little not so joyful. It's hard to get adults to wave palm branches in the fellowship hall who love Jesus. The tone of the New Testament of Jesus, though, and the cross was a tone of victory. 
1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Romans 8 says, Knowing all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 2 Corinthians 2, 14 says, But thanks be to God who in Christ always leads us in triumphal procession. Revelation 3.21 says, The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit with me on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. And all of that is talking about the cross. All that victory, all that confidence, all that championship victory was won at the cross. John Stott said, At the cross, Jesus disarmed and triumphed over the devil and all the principalities and powers at his command. First century hearers of the gospel will have had no difficulty in accepting this. For it is perhaps hard for modern man to realize how hag-ridden was the world into which Jesus Christ came. When Jesus died on the cross, it dramatically and permanently changed the world. Even though in that moment, the people seeing it, they didn't see that. It was horrifying. Absolutely appalling. It was disgusting. But all the rest of the New Testament says at the cross, the world changed. This is a completely different world because of Jesus Christ and his cross. We, we don't even understand. We think the world's bad now. We don't even understand how bad the world was before Jesus came. Nobody was caring for the poor. Nobody was caring for the hurting. It was a true dog-eat-dog world in the Roman Empire. It was unbelievable wickedness, and they, and they wanted to show their superiority when Jesus died on the cross, the New Testament says there was, there was a tone of victory. And the world has been permanently changed because of it. How did God, through Christ, win the victory over Satan? How did he take from the principalities and power? Even though in that moment, nobody noticed that on that Friday. I mean, they were shocked and devastated People, But 30 years later, this Jewish man who fought against the crucifixion, fought against the cross, tried to deny it and persecuted those who believed in it, he said in Galatians 2.20, God who loved me and gave himself for me. The world was changed at the cross. How did God through Christ win the victory? When Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The will of God can now be done on earth as in heaven in a real way. That's the victory that the cross won. The way, the way it started was when God created the world and he put us in it as, to be his image bearers and reflect back to God. And we chose to be idolaters and reflect back ourselves and then we sinned. And in, Jesus, in Genesis 3.15, God predicted that from woman, seed would be born and he would crush Satan's head and Satan would bruise his heel. And the early life of Israel be, 
was born, and, and through the Old Testament, it was all pointing to Jesus, and this Messiah was coming. And then when Jesus was born, he was, a, as I, he was identified by Satan as the future conqueror. When the big story of Israel was the Exodus, when the, the children of Israel were in slavery, and then they were rescued by Moses, they were able to leave, and they had this Exodus... And it didn't quite turn out the way that they thought. And they didn't follow God still. So they needed a helper. They needed a Messiah. And Jesus came. And when, right before the Exodus, Pharaoh had all the children of Israel killed, except the ones, the firstborns were slaughtered. Right? And and there was blood put on the post. or, Or the archangel did. And then when Jesus comes on earth, at his birth, Herod wants to murder all the children in Bethlehem. Satan identified who this conqueror was. And then he tried to tempt him in the wilderness, tried to offer him things so that he would take power, take possessions. And then the nation of Israel tried to put this pressure on him to be the political leader that they wanted him to be. The way that you can trust God and be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might is to see the strength of God in the Passion Week and see what Jesus did. The first thing we should see about Jesus is that he entered the storm. When Jesus came in on Jerusalem, on that first Palm Sunday riding on this colt, he knew exactly what he was walking into. 100% God, 100% human. He says in Luke 18, Jesus talking to the 12, he says, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles, and he will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after that, flogging him, they will kill him, and on the third day he will rise again. Crucifixion was the world that Jesus lived in. Rome would kill anybody who thought they were going to be political power and resistance, and so they had people crucified all over the place. Jesus knew what it meant to be crucified and to see death. It loomed over him. But he walked into Jerusalem knowing, rode into Jerusalem knowing very purposefully what he was doing. And what he met in Jerusalem was the evil powers of the world world in Rome who did not want anybody taking over their control. And he also met the pressures of Israel, these people who had longed for a Messiah and a promised King And Jesus weeps over them when he says that. He, he rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, not on a war horse like the Jews expected. Not in this powerful kind of way, but in a new kind of power. A power of peace and love and service. Jesus came into Jerusalem knowing what he was going to face with unbelievable strength, selfless. This was a new thing the world has never, never seen. Rome was all about dominating and crushing anybody who opposed them. And the Jews wanted to dominate and crush Rome. And Jesus comes in on a donkey. Selfless. How much of your struggle that you deal with is because you're being selfless? Or is it your struggle often because you're trying to gain some power or gain something? Jesus entered the storm 
on Palm Sunday, very purposeful, and he faced the evil powers of the world and the pressures of his own people, and nobody understood it. And because of that, he endured the shame. You need to slow down this week and read and see the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus walks into Jerusalem. He goes and calls his disciples and says, come and pray with me. And then as he's, as he's praying, he feels this unbelievable pressure and this unbelievable sorrowful. It says in Mark 18, my soul is very sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. He knew what he was going to enter. He was stressed out by it. And he said to Satan, but this is your hour and the power of darkness. And he didn't stop it. He endured it. He endured everything that Satan could throw at him. All the shame, all the guilt of the cross. Jesus became for us our representative substitute. Nobody else could go through that way. But because Jesus' faithfulness to God, there was one who could. Remember when David was fighting Goliath and the two armies were out there and they, they were going to fight each other, but they said, hey, don't send everybody. Let's just send our champion. So the Philistines sent Goliath and Israel sent David, who nobody thought would win. The Philistines were mocking him. David wins. And as soon as Goliath is dead, it's over. The representative had won. And Jesus came, comes in enduring the shame and he is the greater David. He endures it with such great stress on him, and he feels every bit of it. And with great sweat drops of blood, he does it. And what's interesting about that night is that afterwards, when they, when they took Jesus away, Jesus is so stressed out, he's sweating blood because he's so hot, the pressure is so on him. Well, everybody else is standing by a fire trying to warm themselves up. He endured the shame. Then he, he goes and get to, he gets mocked, he gets flogged, he gets beaten. A crown of thorns are put on him like he's mocked. Say, this is what Rome thinks of you. you. You think you have power? We'll show you what power is. We're the power. And Satan took all of Rome and used all the evils to try to crush Jesus with this. And they, they mocked him and they put this hat on him like it was a stage play to ridicule this king of the Jews. For Rome, when they killed somebody on the cross, when they were crucifying somebody, there was, there was a sense of, hey, it was a social statement to anybody that would go against the powers of the world and says, we are superior, you're inferior, and we will spread you out for all the world to see in your shame. There was a political statement in it which says, we are in charge, and you are nothing. And there was a religious statement in it because Rome believed that their Caesar was God, and they would call him the Son of Man and the Son of God. And so to crucify Jesus on the cross was to say, we are superior to any of your local gods. And Jesus endured it all. He, he went and endured the shame. He entered the storm, and he emptied Satan of his powers. On the cross, by resisting every temptation that Satan bring, brought to him. When he was reviled, he didn't revile back. When he was spit on, he didn't react. 
when he was falsely accused, he didn't speak. And all the world's evil was being hurled at Jesus. And temptations were flying, just, just disobey. Don't take it anymore. You don't have to do this. And he remained faithful. And Philippians 2 says, even to the death of the cross. And he resisted the use of worldly powers. The Colossians 2 says, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. On the cross, Satan threw everything at him, and he resisted calling 10,000 angels to rescue him. He, he resisted it. He took it all. He was completely innocent, and that drained out all of the wrath, all the wickedness. And that's that Bruce said, as he was suspended there, bound hand and foot to the wood in apparent weakness, they imagined Satan and his, uh, and his, and his league of demons, they imagined that they had him at their mercy. And flung themselves upon him with hostile intent. But he grappled with them. And he mastered them. And he did it because of his love for God. And he did it for his love for us is what held him there. And then he died. And on the cross is where our victory is won. It's the cross where we get our victory. Because Jesus went to the cross and he died and took all the wrath and hostility of the world, took all the wrath and hostility of Satan, he paid for all the sins of the world. He died on the cross and he said, it's finished. And he won. And then three days later, when he rose again, it was a confirmation. It was announced victory that the law, the flesh, the world, and death had finally and ultimately been delivered. And that's why it says in Ephesians chapter 6, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Can God be trusted? Yes. Is nothing impossible with God? Yes. Because the most impossible thing God accomplished through Jesus on the cross, and so we can be anchored. When Jesus says, if you'll follow me, you have to deny yourself and pick up your cross and follow me, we can be anchored. Because, because Jesus did it, because we're in Christ, and we have the same spirit that dwells in Christ, that dwells in us, when we get reviled, it's possible for us to not revile back. When we get mistreated, it's possible for us to not to react and try to gain power. When we get maligned, we can resist the devil, and we can deny temptations and we can stand like Ephesians said and we can stand firm because our champion Jesus defeated all the enemies of wickedness death sin and hell on the cross for us and we have that victory and we can be confident in that victory and so we can do that we don't have to live like the rest of the world we, we resist the world and we stand and we grow in grace and then we can be anchored, and then we can announce it. And one of the ways that we announce it is by what Jesus offered at the Passover. Right before he got crucified, 
He was at the Passover, and he had the last supper, and they shared this meal that is more than just some bread and the cup. When you gather at church, and in a few moments, when we come forward as believers who say, yes, Jesus is my champion, and I'm trusting in him alone because he won the victory for me on the cross, when we come and take communion, we're announcing to the world the victory is real. N.T. Wright put it this way, breaking the bread and sharing the cup in Jesus' name declares his victory to the principalities and powers. It states the new authorized fact about the world. It confronts the shadowy forces that usurp control over God's creation and over human lives with the news of their defeat. It shames the dark powers that stands in the wings waiting for people to give them even a small bit of worship so that they can use that power, sucking it out of the humans who ought to have been exercising it themselves, to enslave people and render them powerless, to resist the temptations that the powers have within their repertoire. The bread-breaking meal, the Jesus feast, announces to the forces of evil like a public decree read out by a herald in the marketplace that Jesus is Lord, that he has faced the powers of sin and death and beaten them, and that he has been raised again to launch the new world in which death itself will have no authority. It's a very holy, victorious thing that we get to partake of as followers of Jesus when we come to the cup. Because of the cross, the world's changed. And the kingdom of God is advancing and moving forward. And one day, God's going to restore the earth. And we will fully and completely reflect back to God the way we were supposed to. That's why the third verse of the chorus, this is my father's world, said this is my father's world. Because Jesus' victory on the cross, it is absolutely true that this is my Father's world, oh, let me never forget that though the wrong seems often so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my Father's world, why should my heart be sad? The Lord is king, let the heavens ring, God reigns. Let earth be glad. And it's all because of the cross. So I just want to encourage you this week as you head into the Passion Week, as we look forward to Good Friday and on Easter, to enjoy your spring break with passion and to celebrate what Jesus did for us and survey the cross. When I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count the loss and pour contempt on all my pride. Forbid it, Lord, that I should boast, save in the death of Christ my God. All the vain things that charm me most, I sacrifice them to his blood. See from his head, his hands, his feet, sorrow and love flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns compose so rich a crown? Were the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. Look to the cross. It is our 
hope and victory. Is it yours?